This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, before we get going too far, I just want to remind you guys that if you have not done this already, please leave a review and a five-star rating, letting us know that you like the content because, guys, the algorithms love when you like what we do. And and me personally, I love when you like what we do. So if we deserve that five-star rating, go ahead and leave us one. If it's four or below, just forget about it. Just move on. Do something else with your time, but please go ahead and leave us a review. And guys, if you've been following us on our YouTube channel, again, if you haven't subscribed yet on our YouTube channel, you can just search for us and find us on Daunted Life, a man's podcast. We had a little bit of a music snafu, so you're going to notice on the majority of our episodes, there's a little bit of a cutoff for the music music on the front end and the back end. I can't exactly talk about all the specifics of that, but don't worry here in the next few weeks, we're going to have all the music stuff all squared away and ready to go. But just so you know, it will be a little bit different than the audio version, but here we go. We're going to launch in to some enormous news. I mean, guys, we've got a lot of news going on right now, right? We've got Hamas trying to kill Israeli, you know, people right now with rockets, and there's maybe about to be war in the Middle East. We've also got gasoline shortages because people used ransomware to like shut down 45% of the oil and gas that was going to the East Coast of the United States. We've got the crisis at the southern border, which is a legitimate crisis. We've got a shakeup of Republican leadership in Congress. We've got so many things going on right now, but that is not important. None of those things are important. So, in the latest installment of news that shouldn't have even been news a few hours after it broke, on Monday of this week, it was announced that the National Football League's Jacksonville Jaguars just signed former NFL quarterback Tim Tebow to a one-year deal to be a tight end, a position that he's never played. Yep, that's what we're going to spend today's podcast on, guys. I know you're going to be a little bit disappointed that we aren't talking about real big-time issues, but there's kind of a through line in this story that I think is important for us, especially if we're going to continue to help you push back darkness. There's a little bit of darkness in the story as well. So with this story, when it broke, a few days prior to that, the news broke that Tebow was at least going to be getting a tryout. And it surprised some. It certainly surprised me that he was actually extended a contract. Right. I saw that he got a child, but it's like, oh, you know, Urban Meyer, he's the new coach. This is Tim Tebow. That's his boy. This is his pupil. You know, why not? But I was very surprised. Now, if you're wondering to yourself how Tim Tebow can do that and still play professional baseball, you probably missed that news cycle, which is that Tim Tebow has actually retired from trying to become a major league baseball player again. Have your own opinions about whether or not that was even something that he should have done from the beginning, whether the New York Mets should have even signed him. I'm sure the New York Mets made some money for their minor league teams because I believe Tebow never got above. uh, I think he got to triple A. I think he spent most of his time in A ball and double A, but I think he may have broken into triple A. There was a thought that if the Mets were out of it, you know, in October, maybe this would have even happened last year without the pandemic, that they would have just called Tebow up because you you basically sell out City Field and, you know, you have Tebow come up there and in Tebow fashion, he probably would have hit a walk off home run and, you know, that would have been the only home run of his entire career. But anyway, so he's transitioning from, you know, college football to NFL to Major League Baseball back to the NFL, but in a different position. So what I'm going to give you right now is what the entire news cycle should have been. Okay, this should have been the entire news cycle. And then the next day, all the armchair quarterbacks and all those shows, this is the stuff that they should have talked about. And this should have been over with. Wow. Surprising move for Tebow to come back to professional football for the first time since 2012. It will be interesting to see how he'll fare at a new position. I wonder if he'll even make the 52-man roster after camp. We'll see how the changes he had to make to his body to play baseball will affect his ability to play tight end in the NFL. Wouldn't it be cool to see Tim Tebow back on the sidelines with his old college football coach, Urban Meyer? And guys, that's about it. I came up with every conceivable headline or talking point for one of these talking head shows, and that's about it. But. But 
everything is stupid. So that couldn't be the new cycle. That just couldn't possibly be the new cycle. There were obviously other tendrils coming off of this story that we needed to talk about because guys, the narrative for this story immediately shifted to why does Tim Tebow get another shot at the NFL and Collar Kaepernick doesn't? Why can't Colin Kaepernick get a job in the NFL? That's where it immediately went. I was flabbergasted for about four tenths of a second, right? Because obviously it was going to happen this way because everything is so incredibly stupid. This had to be the story, right? Because the only reason given, at least on Twitter anyway, which is where most of these people live their entire lives. If you go to their Twitter, that's all they do all day. The only reason given for why Tim Tebow would get another chance at the NFL and that Colin Kaepernick would not get another chance at the NFL supposedly is, if you guessed it, racism. If you guessed racism, you won the grand prize. Of course, racism, of course. That would be the reason why Colin Kaepernick is not getting another shot at the NFL, which is ridiculous, and we'll get more into that in a second. But I will give you kind of a rundown of some of the tweets that I saw for this, and I think the Blaze did a really good job of gathering some of these tweets, and so I'll present them as they had them. But Black Adam Schefter, which is, which is an actual account on Twitter, it's kind of a parody account, said this, Tebow hasn't played in the NFL since 2012, gets another shot. Kaepernick hasn't played since 2016, gets nothing. What's the difference? Can't seem to put my finger on it. Okay, we'll we'll certainly put our finger on it here in a little bit. But, you know, we'll we'll keep going. Stephen Pasquale, who is an actor apparently that no one's ever heard of, he said this, Tim Tebow finding a team and Colin Kaepernick can't? White privilege, NFL style. Tebow can't throw, never could, never played tight end, and hasn't played in what, eight years? Explain it to me like I'm five. Then we have Dennis or David Dennis Jr., who's got a blue check mark on Twitter, but aside from that, no one knows what he does for a living. There's no way you can tell me that Tim Tebow deserves to be on a team as an unproven tight end who hasn't played in nine years more than Colin Kaepernick. There's just no way that's going to make sense. Then we have Jamel Hill, who's a grifter extraordinary. She currently writes for The Atlantic, I think, or something like that. Used to be with ESPN. She just posted something that said, laughs in Colin Kaepernick with two sets of colons on either side. I have no idea what that's supposed to mean, but apparently it's bad. It's really, really bad. Next thing, we have someone called at the fat doja, doha. I don't really know. This is what they said. Tim Tebow hasn't played football in six years and will be 34 heading into training camp, and he just signed with the Jags. From here on out, I don't want to ever hear another word about how Colin Kaepernick isn't good enough for another shot in the NFL. Then we have Ahmad Ali, who is a person of whom I don't know what they do either, but hey, we'll keep going. Blue check marks, so they're important. Interesting how the same people that are praising Tim Tebow for his values outside of football see Colin Kaepernick's values as a distraction, and he posted a picture of Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the national anthem out of disrespect for the national anthem and then you've got tim tebow kneeling to pray before a game so apparently he's trying to make some sort of point that those values are different and guess what they are they're very very different last one here lindsey jones she's a writer for the athletic she says but no one will sign colin kaepernick because he hasn't played in forever and he would be a distraction and she put in all these weird kind of like text if you're if you're not seeing this on youtube right now she had kind of weird text on there so everyone kind of had their take and everyone's take was vaguely the same that's just kind of how that goes but but a couple of things about this right off the top the very first thing that seemingly no one's talking about is tim tebow still has to make the team i I mean it's a 52-man roster and they're not going to carry like four tight ends he's got to make the team he had a tryout he was extended an offer for a contract 
And that contract basically goes into place if he makes the roster after training camp. Why is no one talking about this? They just assume he's going to be the starting tight end on the first day of their first game. Like on the first down of the first game, rather. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. And the next thing is Tebow getting signed and Kaepernick not being signed, wait for it, aren't related at all. Those things are not related. These are two different players, two totally different time periods, two two different circumstances, two different positions, two totally different people. Like to say that this is the same as that. I mean, how far are we going to extend this thing out? If the St. Louis Cardinals decide to sign somebody to a minor league contract, it's going to be like, well, why doesn't Colin Kaepernick get a chance to sign with the St. Louis Cardinals? If some local firehouse decides to to sign up a guy to become a fireman, as well, why didn't Colin Kaepernick get that opportunity? Like we're again, I'm being ridiculous because this is ridiculous. Because I guess I wasn't aware that Colin Kaepernick was willing to come back to the NFL as a tight end. That would at least make it somewhat the same if there was breaking news that these people, because I think they're about the same age at this point, th- those two. But at this age. If both of them said, hey, I think I'm, I'm thinking about coming back as a tight end, or Colin Kaepernick said, hey, I'm thinking about coming back as a wide receiver, which might be you know, better for his type of a frame or something like that. He's a little bit more frail than, uh, than Tim Tebow is. That would at least give us something to talk about, but we don't have that here. But here's the thing, guys. There's a real reason, or there's real reasons, rather. There's a lot of them. Why Tim Tebow is getting another shot at the NFL and Colin Kaepernick is not. So I'm going to go through several of them. The first one is Urban Meyer. Okay. So Urban Meyer, one of the greatest college football coaches of all time, you know, obviously he was Tim Tebow's former coach at Florida, Florida, where they won two different national titles. Um, You know, I think it was Tebow's freshman year and junior year. Those two are obviously very, very close. And Urban Meyer just took his first NFL job, NFL job to be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. New fancy quarterback coming in, number one overall draft pick. Like this is Urban Meyer's team. You didn't think that he was just going to take an NFL job and not have, you know, an idea as to who he would want to sign from a personnel standpoint, right? He might as well be the head coach and the general manager. So you knew something like this was going to happen if Tim Tebow came calling, and he did. So that's part of the reason why there's a connection there and why he would get a shot like that. Because whenever Colin Kaepernick played, I think he played at the University of Nevada. I don't think his coach is currently coaching in the NFL, unless I'm wrong, unless I miss something. Right. So, so there's that, but here's some other reason we're going to talk about the ability to play. So let's talk about Tim Tebow. First, we have no idea. No one has any idea except for the people that were there, the, the scouts and the coaches that were there for his tryout. We have no idea if Tim Tebow can play tight end in the NFL. Now I have my doubts, right? If I were Vegas, I would be taking tons of money on the fact that he's not going to make the roster and he's not going to play a down because you you play your entire career, at least since high school, Tim Tebow has only played quarterback. I mean, tight end is not just, there's a lot going on at tight end. Okay. There's not just the, you know, going out and catching passes. There's, there's a lot of different schemes for blocking and there's a lot of stuff that goes into being a tight end and Tim Tebow just hasn't done that. So we're just gonna have to let it play out. But then with Colin Kaepernick, in terms of the ability to play, let's just be honest. He wasn't good when he last played. So why in the world would we believe that he would be good now? He's almost 34 years old. Colin Kaepernick is. Okay. How many examples are there of elite NFL quarterbacks that haven't played in five years coming back in their mid thirties and being super effective? Do you have any examples? Because I struggle to think through that. There's not a whole lot of quarterbacks in general that are super effective in their mid thirties. 
I mean, you have your your rare exceptions, your your Brett Favre's and your Tom Brady's and your Peyton Manning's, and like, but at the same time, like, that's not a super common thing. And all those guys didn't stop playing. I mean, Brett Favre kind of retired and came back, but you, you get what I'm saying. And here's the thing with Colin Kaepernick: in his last season that he played, okay, that was 2016, he started 11 games for the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, the 49ers went one and ten in those games. One and ten. They won one game when he was the starter, and then he was benched. His QBR that season, that's quarterback rating, that's kind of like, you know, war in baseball. It's kind of like this big number that kind of breaks it down whether or not you're good at that position. He was ranked 23rd overall for quarterbacks, okay? He was benched that season for Blaine Gabbert. Have you ever heard of Blaine Gabbert? Even if you have, you likely don't remember him for anything special. I think at the time that Blaine Gabbert took over for Colin Kaepernick, Blaine Gabbert had like a 5-22 and record as a starter. I think I remember seeing that somewhere. 5-22. and And the 49ers were like, we think we got a better shot at winning with Blaine Gabbert than we do with Colin Kaepernick. Guys, he was benched again back in 2016 for a lot of reasons. His accuracy was in the toilet. His anticipation and touch were garbage. He couldn't, you know, read a defense. His field vision was similar to Stevie Wonder's and his decision making was awful. And there's probably a lot of other reasons, right? It's a meritocracy after all the NFL is. So they thought they could win with a different guy. He was benched and there was no signs that he was going to be coming back. Okay, so that kind of breaks down the ability to play argument. So another reason why Tim Tebow is probably getting another shot and that Colin Kaepernick is not is desire to play. Tim Tebow clearly has a desire to play. Again, we don't know if he can play, but he has a desire to. He's kept himself in shape. He's been playing another professional sport. Again, the transition from an outfielder's body to a tight end's body. I have no idea how the guy's going to do it, but he's a super athlete. So, so we don't know, but he clearly has the desire to play. Colin Kaepernick clearly doesn't have the desire to play. So guys, back in 2017, the 49ers offered Colin Kaepernick a contract to stay with the team, but he decided to become a free agent. So if you wanted to continue his career as a quarterback with the San Francisco 49ers, which was a team that drafted him in the second round, he could have done that, but he chose not to. Okay. For, for whatever reason, I think we know the reason, but he chose not to. In 2018, John Elway, who's an executive for the Denver Broncos at the time and a former quarterback, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback for the Denver Broncos, he revealed that they offered Colin Kaepernick a contract. And guess what? Colin Kaepernick turned it down. Now, they didn't offer him to be a tight end. They didn't offer him to be, you know, a safety. They offered him to be a quarterback. He said, nope, no, thank you. That was in 2018. And then after the NFL went fully woke, which is the reason why I don't really follow it at all, unless it kind of pops up in the news and kind of cultural news like this. In 2019, I don't know if you remember this, the NFL held a workout slash tryout thing just for Colin Kaepernick. It was fairly unprecedented, and the NFL kind of bent over backwards. But at this point, in, in kind of, you know, this was kind of past the point where the NFL was like, okay, we're not really going to support this kneeling for the anthem thing. And then the winds of change kind of shifted and the culture shifted a little bit. And then the NFL was like, okay, yeah, we'll allow some of that. And you will allow the Black Lives Matter stuff. Like, that's fine. At this point, all Colin Kaepernick had to do would show up there at this workout in Atlanta and he would have at least had one team offer him a contract. They at least one team out there would have been willing to sign him probably to a backup type role to earn some black lives matter points. Like that was, that was so unbelievably clear. Some team was going to take that chance, right? Probably a terrible team, but they would have taken the chance. So scouts from 25 different teams showed up. They were ready to go. They had their stopwatches and they had their clipboards and they were ready to watch Colin Kaepernick to see if he could still be an NFL quarterback. Do you remember how it turned out? 
Oh, uh, yeah, Colin Kaepernick didn't show up. He no-showed. Now, he and his reps, they they spun some nonsense about, you know, the waivers that the NFL wanted to have them sign weren't to their liking and, you know, whatever else. But that was all nonsense. That was all PR spin, right? He, he set up at the last second. He set up his own workout at a different site where he wore a shirt that said Kunta Kinte on there, which is, you know, a reference to the African slave character from the Roots series, right? The biggest white guilt series in the history of ever. And so he's trying to make make it out like he's a slave of some kind. and yet. The NFL, a multi-billion dollar organization, corporation, decided to give this guy a tryout and he just couldn't find the time to get over there. Oh, it just wasn't to his liking. So he goes over to some, you know, high school. He throws some deep passes to some high school kids. You know, basically one or two scouts was able to make it over there for this, this mock garbage nonsense tryout that he tried to throw for himself. So at the end of the day, Colin Kaepernick had a lot of opportunities to come back if he wanted to. But it's clear that he doesn't. And I don't fault him for that. He is a grown man. He can make his own decisions. This goes back to the argument I make with NCAA, right? Whenever they're like, oh, these kids need to be paid. You know, they're, they're being treated like slaves. It's like, are they? In, in a lot of these cases, these kids are getting their colleges paid for. Their educations are being paid for. As opposed to leaving school with six figures of student loan debt, they're leaving school with a bunch of extra Nikes and, you know, track suits and no debt. Because they made a choice to go play a sport. They traded their athletic ability so that they could play a child's game and they were compensated with their education. That seems fair to me. Colin Kaepernick had opportunities in 2017, 2018, and 2019 to go and play football. And he said no. Another reason why I think that Tim Tebow is getting this chance and that Colin Kaepernick is not is because of distractions. Tim Tebow is a good kind of distraction if there is such a thing. Because with Tim Tebow comes a circus, right? Whenever he signed, I think he signed a, a deal with the Jets at some point and the, the Eagles at some point after he was done with the Denver Broncos. And man, it was a circus. Everything that Tim Tebow does is a circus. And it's because he's so likable. Now, it's a distraction. You have to clearly think about that because I think when he signed the league minimum deal to go be a backup for the Philadelphia Eagles, it was such a distraction to the team because it's like, dude, this guy's like our second or third quarterback. Why are you at this press conference asking me about whether or not Tim Tebow is going to get into the game? He's not going to get into the game unless something catastrophic happens to the first two guys. You know, it was one of those types of situations. But that's a good kind of a distraction because you can deal with that. If you're a head coach, you might roll your eyes at the guy asking you another Tebow question, but it's not that big a deal. Because Tim Tebow's a good guy. He's a good team guy. He's going he's gonna to apparently show up to practice. He's going to be a great teammate. And that's going to be wonderful. I, I don't think most of the people on the team are going to resent the fact that he's on the team. So just move forward. But then on the other hand, Colin Kaepernick is the worst kind of distraction. Because you have to think about it very, very clearly. He had a very amazing opportunity to come back and play in the NFL. Even though he would have been a horrific distraction. Because it's not just, hey, we're going to ask you a bunch of questions about this guy. It's like, now we're going to have to talk about politics. We're going to talk, have to talk about, well, hey, John Elway, you've signed uh, Colin Kaepernick. Are you concerned that he's going to continue kneeling at a protest for the racist national anthem that takes place in the racist United States of America? Like, that's a whole lot more to deal with than, hey, is this guy that's not very good at quarterback going to get to play next week? That, that's a very different kind of a thing. And Colin Kaepernick kept shooting himself in the foot and he was doing it on purpose, right? I think, you know, whenever he was still in the 49ers, he was wearing these socks at one of their workouts and it had cops depicted as pigs and there was like bacon on it. And this was right around the BLM time of pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, 
right? Like, you know, all that stuff, all the Black Lives Matter chants that were going on in New York, I believe is where that one happened. But he was going to continue doing stuff like that. That's just who he is and who he's going to be. The worst kind of distraction. Another reason why I think Tim Tebow is going to get an opportunity like this and why Colin Kaepernick is not is gratitude. I think Matt Walsh pointed this out best on his Twitter when he said this. People like Tim Tebow because he's grateful, positive, and humble. They hate Kaepernick because he's a sullen, spoiled, rotten little brat. Both are immensely privileged. Only one responds with gratitude. People like that one and not the other. Not that hard to understand. And I think it was great that Matt Walsh pointed out that they're both very privileged individuals. Okay? Because whether you say it's white privilege or American privilege or whatever, both of these guys are very privileged. They both grew up in two-parent households. I believe the Colin Kaepernick was, um, he was adopted into, you know, a loving family and all that. Like, that's great. I'm so happy for that. He's, he's incredibly blessed for that. But Colin Kaepernick has turned his back on all the blessings that he's received in his life. Because life has somehow dealt him a raw hand. He had this loving couple, which just so happened to be white. You know, that shouldn't matter, but they just so happened to be white. They took in this kid into their family, treated him like their own because technically he was. And then they, they helped him all the way through, you know, got him to college and all those different things. And now it's like, oh, uh, white supremacy is the worst thing possible. And uh, also America's white supremacist. We need to tear down the system, but let's start with the cops. So, but when you look at a guy like Tim Tebow, if you follow him on Instagram or something like that, they're like, yeah, you can, you can quibble with maybe his theology and some of the things that he said. And maybe, maybe if you want to really, really split hairs, but Tim Tebow is an incredibly grateful guy. I mean, think about the worst things that they can say about Tim Tebow is he doesn't throw very well, which is true at Florida. It was okay. He worked inside of his system in the NFL. You know, it's pretty bad. You know, he didn't really have a great arm, didn't have a great release point, didn't have a quick trigger, just wasn't a great NFL quarterback. That's the worst thing that most people can say about Tim Tebow. And, and that's pretty awesome. If the worst thing that someone can say about you is that you don't throw a football very well, consider yourself very, very blessed and in a good spot. Another reason why I think Tim Tebow is getting this chance to not Colin Kaepernick is attitude, right? This goes into a lot of the other things that we talked about, but Tim Tebow is the poster child of positivity, right? Again, just... Follow him on Instagram. I don't really need to elucidate that point any further. Follow him on Instagram. The dude's just flat out positive. But in terms of Colin Kaepernick, he's the poster child for drama. That's all this guy is. Everywhere he goes, it's drama. And his attitude is so uppity and so better than. And the other thing about Colin Kaepernick is, do you wonder why you haven't heard very many interviews of Colin Kaepernick? Do you wonder why you haven't heard debates with Colin Kaepernick talking about somebody that is, has a different viewpoint on the Black Lives Matter thing or on the police thing or any of those types of things? It's because Colin Kaepernick is a moron. Anytime that he opens his mouth and talks about this issue, it's like he's just got this jumbled mess of other people's quotes inside of his brain. He potentially doesn't even have any of his own thoughts on the thing. And here's the other thing, guys. Whenever he was being binged, right, that's when he just decided to be this race martyr. Like, do we think that, that he maybe had something in mind for that? It could have been like, oh, hey, my career is almost over. I need to go ahead and transfer into activism before I'm not hot anymore, before no one even knows how to spell my last name. Or it was because, hey, I'm going to put the pressure on these white owners of these NFL teams, these racist, you know, slave traders and all these types of things. And I'm going to basically force their hand. I'm going to become an activist. And if they basically bench me or cut me, I can call them racist and I'll be great and good to go, which is kind of how it worked out. The dude has a rotten attitude. Why in the world would you want him on your team? And the last thing I'll, I'll say on this in terms of why Tebow deserve this, uh, might deserve this, I don't even know if he does, why he might deserve this chance and Colin Kaepernick doesn't, is hatred. Hatred. Tim Tebow seems to love everything and everyone. 
Again, go to the dude's Instagram. The dude just loves. He's a lover. He loves Christ. He loves his wife. He loves people. He loves, you know, uh, special needs children. He just loves. He has so much love. Colin Kaepernick seems to hate anyone that disagrees with him on cultural or social or political issues, and he hates America. Now, if you're the, the Minnesota Vikings or the Dallas Cowboys or the Seattle Seahawks or the Carolina Panthers or any of these other teams, why in the world would you want someone on your team like that? How can you market hatred for America? Now, the NFL has kind of done that a little bit by bowing to the BLM thing while still having the Marines out on the field holding the American flag during the national anthem. Ah, you know, it's kind of this, this tension, this dissonance that they're dealing with at the moment. But why would you want to bring that on yourself? It, it's absolutely astonishing to me. So to transition out of this a little bit, there's a lot of people that are saying things that just don't really make a lot of sense. So to those of you that are saying that Colin Kaepernick deserves his job back, I saw that refrain everywhere. He deserves his job back. Well, I'll just remind you of the fact that he had opportunities, clear ones from the 49ers and from the Broncos and from 25 other teams willing to take a look at this guy. He said no. He flat out said no. What do you mean he deserves his job back? The job back that he doesn't even want? He clearly doesn't want it. But we do need to flow a little bit on this concept of deserves. I'm using air quotes here with deserves. Because professional sports, are one of the most meritocracy-driven environments you could possibly be in in the entire world. And that's why even great players, like really, really great players, name a professional sport, have short careers. In the NFL, if you have a career going past five years, that's incredible. It's unbelievably rare, right? You know, these super long guys that have been in for all these long years and years and years in the NFL, that's super rare. But even in baseball, even in basketball, even in hockey, like long careers just aren't really that common. A lot of guys don't make it through their rookie contract and certainly don't sign that second contract. That's why it's such a big deal when you sign that second contract after your rookie deal is up. But because of meritocracy, teams, they don't really care about what you did a season ago. They care about what you can do this season. And if they can bring another person in that's going to be cheaper and maybe easier to deal with and coach, they're going to bring that person in. But I've had this debate, and I think I mentioned it here on this podcast before. People talk a lot about this, and I've mainly had this debate in kind of MMA context, about these GOAT-level fighters, right? And how these GOAT-level fighters deserve to make GOAT-level money. Okay, so you'll hear someone talk about like Mighty Mouse, right? So he was in the UFC for a long time, kept defending his belt, kept defending his belt, was clearing out the division, then he cleared it out again, and then he was basically traded over to one championship uh, over in Asia. But I kept talking to these people. They're like, he needs to be paid like the greatest fighter on the planet. He needs to get paid more than Conor McGregor. He needs to get paid more than any of these guys that make a lot of money, more than GSP, right? More than, more than any of these guys. And I would always ask him, why? Well, because he's the greatest fighter ever. He's the greatest fighter in the UFC right now. Or he's the greatest fighter right, right now in any organization. Okay, you might be right, but this is prize fighting, right? You get paid off of the money that's brought in if there's not money to, that's brought in to pay you like you're that GOAT level, you're not going to get that amount of money. The thing with Mighty Mouse, Demetrius Johnson, nobody cared to watch him fight. The UFC did everything they possibly could to get this guy to be a household name. They put him on free fights on Fox, and they put him you know, in commercials, and they tried to get him out there and you know, get with all the you know, gaming communities that he was a part of and get him bigger there. No one cared to watch him fight. Maybe it was because he was small. Maybe it was because he didn't talk trash. Like, who knows? 
So you can make the the argument that he is a better fighter in his division than Conor McGregor is in his, but Conor McGregor was just named number one on the Forbes sports list for making over $150 million outside of fighting this year. It's just not the same thing. People talk about goat level with John Jones as well, because John Jones probably on paper is the greatest fighter ever in terms of who he's beaten and how he's beaten them. But John Jones has never been a part of a pay-per-view that even sold over a million buys. I think the highest he had was him and Daniel Cormier the first time they fought. I think that one was like 800,000 buys or 850,000 buys, which is obviously that's a great, the great selling pay-per-view. But when you get above 1 million pay-per-view buys, that's when you start getting into the Connor and Habib and GSP territory and Brock Lesnar and those types of things, Ronda Rousey. But again, people think that they deserve these things that they haven't earned. You earn those paydays because people want to watch you fight. You've earned that. Also, to the people that are saying, kind of transitioning back to Tebow and Kaepernick, there's a lot of people saying this is clearly an example of white privilege. Clearly an example of white privilege. Really? How? How? No, really, how? You have to prove that to me, that this is clearly an example of white privilege. Because people will just say these things. Oh, it's an example of white privilege, clearly. And people just accept that premise as true. I don't. I don't accept it as, as true at all. Explain it to me. Explain it to me like I'm five. How is this clearly an example of white privilege? Especially in light of everything that I've just described throughout the rest of this episode. How is it? And let's go further. Colin Kaepernick made around $44 million in his playing career as an NFL quarterback. Okay. He signed at one point, a $126 million deal that he would have earned if he didn't suck so bad. He would have made nine figures if he didn't suck at being a quarterback. And then he also signed an endorsement deal with Nike. This was after his playing career and it's paying him like he's an active elite NFL player, which he clearly is not either one of those things. Tim Tebow contrastingly made around $10 million in his playing career. He made almost no money as a professional baseball player because he was a minor leaguer, right? And the minor leaguers don't really make a whole lot unless they were drafted in a certain, you know, anyway, he didn't really make a lot of money. And guys, even if he makes the Jaguars roster, he'll likely make the league minimum, which is $660,000, which again is good money. But again, where's the white privilege there? I'm sorry, was Tebow extended a nine-figure contract to be a quarterback? No, he wasn't. Hmm. Did Tim Tebow make 40 plus million dollars as an NFL quarterback? No. Again, going back to my meritocracy argument, it's because he wasn't very good. But Colin Kaepernick had a better career, but then towards the end, he wasn't very good either for different reasons than Tim Tebow. But where's the privilege here? I missed that somewhere. And guys, maybe this isn't a case of white privilege. And instead, it's a case of not being a dickhead privilege. Obviously, Tim Tebow is a guy that people want to be around. It's a guy that they want on their teams as players and as coaches and ownership. Colin Kaepernick doesn't have that because he just acts like a jerk no matter what the situation is. So he's shooting himself in the foot here. But guys, you know, I talked all about this. I, you know, somehow was able to talk about this for a half hour. But what this all boils down to is that woke people didn't find anything to complain about for a few days. So they chose this to complain about. Again, every few days, every week, there's some new story of some innocuous thing that happened to these nameless, faceless people most of the times, but it was something that was so horribly, horrifically racist. And now we have to lead CNN with it. We have to see it running across the Chiron on MSNBC. Like, you know, they're going to write this big thing about it on the front page of the New York Times. Vox is going to do a special report on it. 
because they have to. So I, I'm going to talk a little bit about like, there's, there's all these different departments and jobs popping up that are like diversity, equity, and inclusion departments or jobs. Even recently I saw it's actually, you know, um, uh, someone that I know that was hired to do diversity and inclusion and all that for the St. Louis Cardinals. They're just making up these positions and they're not exactly sure what they're supposed to do, but they don't want the backlash if they don't have people like that on the payroll. But here's the thing. I remember back at the college that I went to, the University of Central Oklahoma. I remember when I was working on staff there and they created this department. I think it was a department of like cultural equity or like multicultural student services or something like that. And it's like, yeah, sure. Why not? Like who, who cares? Like if you want to have, if you want to help uh, people kind of make sure they get integrated into campus life and all that and you know, great, who, who cares? But then it shifted considerably to be about diversity and inclusion, whatever that means and equity, whatever that means, even though we know what they mean when they say it, but basically what these people do all day long that work in that office and work in any office similar to that is they're looking to be offended. They are looking for opportunities to be offended at all times. Because here's the thing, if they go a year, right? And I'll use my, my college as an example, my, my university. If they go a year without any racist or anti-LGBTQ or you know, anti-this, you know, whatever incidences, then why do we need to have that department? Because again, I think this is kind of the nefarious thing. And I talked about a little bit with Lila Rose when we were talking about kind of pro-life advocates. You know, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, these pro-life advocates don't have anything to raise money for it again, or like at all, like they don't have money, they don't have jobs. And so you really get an idea as to whether or not these people want to solve the problems that they're saying are out there, because if they solve the problem, they have to go do something else for work. Most people don't want to do that. So these people are not going to be able to wield power or generate money without outrage. So even if it's not real, they have to pretend like it's real. They have to pretend like Tim Tebow getting signed to potentially make a 52-man roster for an NFL team is some sort of racial injustice, indicative of white privilege or white supremacy. It's not real. But we live in this post-truth culture where truth is not only relative, it doesn't matter. Because if my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth and the truth truth doesn't matter, then what are we talking about? So I say all this to say that there's some advice I want to give to the men out there that are still listening to this, you know, kind of going through all this nonsense to the defenders of truth out there. So those of you who have hopped on board with us to push back darkness, cultural and spiritual darkness, this is my biggest bit of advice for you. Don't allow false premises to go unchecked. Don't allow false premises to go unchecked. That is your responsibility. Because go back to the very beginning of this, where I was talking about, and, and I kind of uh, you know, talked about it further. People are saying that this is clearly a case of white privilege for Tim Tebow. I don't accept that premise. In fact, I reject that premise. So if you're having a conversation with somebody and you say, no, no, I reject your premise, it makes them have to defend the premise. And most of the time, there is no defense for it. And so a lot of people are, a lot of guys are just trying to like tiptoe around these issues because they don't want to offend anybody and they don't want to, you know, potentially ruffle any feathers. It's like, no, 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 that the onus isn't on you. You shouldn't be on your heels. They should be. They're the ones going out there and saying that this is true. It is true that Tim Tebow got this opportunity because of white privilege and white supremacy. Okay. Prove that to me. Explain that to me. 
So that's the best advice I could give you guys. Guys, if you're going to talk to the school board about their nonsense COVID-19 restrictions on your kids, reject their false premises. Oh, you know, this is unsafe for children. No, I reject that. Please defend your position. And guess what? They can't. There's nothing that shows that this is a dangerous virus for children. Unless the child has massive underlying issues, right? Reject the premise. Make them defend it. Because when you accept the premise and then try to debate, you've already lost for the most part. And you might be a fantastic debater. You, you might get the, the mic drop moment, but you're starting at such, such a disadvantage. Why would you do that? So this might seem like a ridiculous example. In there, I mentioned from the very top of the podcast, like things going on right now in Israel and things at the southern border, all these real big issues where lives are legitimately at stake. And here I am spending over 30 minutes talking about this. I'm talking about it because it's important, because it's indicative of a larger issue within our culture, a sickness within our culture. Not only that we focus on things that we can't really have any control over and that don't really matter at the end of the day, because guess what? If, if Tim Tebow doesn't make the Jags, like if he, if he doesn't make the roster, guess what? We'll see him on the SEC stuff for college football and everybody will just kind of move on with their lives. A few people will have a field day on Twitter calling him terrible and how he's an awful person and all these different things, but then it'll just disappear. It's basically a non-story. It should have been a non-story from the beginning outside of sports circles. But when you look at these cultural issues and people bring up these cultural issues, you have to push back on them. It is your duty to do that. Is your duty to teach your children how to do the same thing. Take your children with you to the PTA meeting or the, the, the city council meeting or something like that, where you are defending truth, where you are pushing back on the darkness that is happening in your community. Show them that and you'll be surprised at how that works out. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost at Undaunted Life. Our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So for today, I'm going to be taking you a little bit off to on a different path. The Lex Friedman podcast. So this is a guy, I think he does robotics and AI, and he's good friends with Joe Rogan. Anyway, he just recently had John Donaher on his podcast. It was episode 182 of the Lex Friedman podcast. It's called The Path to Mastery in Jiu-Jitsu, Grappling, Judo, and MMA. Guys, even if you're not into any of those things I just listed, I think this is a really interesting podcast for you, okay? The episode should be available anywhere you get your podcast. I have a link to a website that has it in case you want to you know, watch it on your computer or something like that. But man, if you're into jujitsu, grappling, judo, MMA, wrestling, any of those types of things, this is a nerd paradise for you. I mean, they go so far into the philosophy, but even guys, they start this podcast in kind of the ethereal world. You get an idea of John Donaher, who, who in this podcast claims that he's a materialist and why he's a materialist. So they don't just talk about, you know, martial arts. They don't really just talk about those things. They get into a lot of big philosophical issues. It was a very, very interesting watch. So I just wanted to share that with you. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to this show. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you want to, if you want me rather to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, you can just email me info at undaunted.life. That's the I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok and like us on Facebook. Check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming. Just go to www dot undaunted dot life i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep pushing back darkness keep forging spiritual mental and physical resilience keep seeking the lion of judah i need a defender